Thanks for listening to the GCC Sermon Podcast. We'd love to meet you for worship on Sundays at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Visit georgetownchristian.org for more info. Good morning, Georgetown Christian Church. My name is Matthew. I am the student minister here. And it was the day before, the day before Thanksgiving, and I had just received a call from my mom that she had COVID. And our Thanksgiving plans suddenly had to change. And so as I'm going down to the garage, I then step in some water. And anyone who has stepped in water where they know water should not be, suddenly feel the same way, right? You're like, oh, your heart drops a little bit. You're like, no. And so I look around and I'm thinking to myself, okay, where is the water coming from? And how can I get rid of it the fastest? Where is my wet drive vac? I'm thinking all of these things at once. And so I look over and it's coming from the drain up. And then I notice the color of the water. And then one of the boys flushes the toilet and the water increases. I now am thinking that my day is getting a lot longer and what my next couple of hours are going to look like. But luckily, I knew just who to call. Now, last week, we started a new series called House Plans. And it is um, this idea that we each have house plans that have been given to us from God of what our perfect house will be. And if we were to follow the house plans that he gives us in order to, if we follow it, then we know that we're going to have a house that will uh, keep us safe, that will keep us dry, it will keep us warm in this cold weather, um, and it will be, it'll be great. But we all know that uh, there are times when we don't follow those house plans. When we look at them and we think that is way too complicated and way too complex. And there's this other thing that's going to make me so much happier. And I'm going to do that. Or there's, uh, there's something else that someone else has that I am looking at their house, and their house looks so much more together than mine does, and suddenly we are changing what God has for us. Because we know from Jeremiah 29, 11, that for the plans I have for you, right, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you hope and a future. But... Sadly, we don't necessarily follow those plans. And I don't know about you, but when we don't follow the plans, the house plans that are there, suddenly when something goes wrong, all of a sudden we are in need of a repair. Uh, Something that I have learned about houses um, is that they are constantly in need of repair. I don't know about your home, but I can probably count off about maybe 10 different things that need to be repaired at this very moment. Um, And my wife can probably tell you 12 more. 
um, that need to be repaired, right? But there are lots of things that, as we are finding, need to suddenly be repaired. And if there's not something that needs to be repaired, there's something that needs to be, like, maintained or suddenly expanded upon to our homes. And um, Chris shared last week that <laughs> he's not much of a builder of homes. I can barely read a tape measure. So um, I've been taught many times, but I still struggle. And uh, the pictures on our walls, they are not level in any way, shape, or form. Um, I am not the person you would call if you need a repair done in your home. And I think we can look at our houses as kind of in need of repair because we are in need of repair. We are constantly in need of repair as well. We all can say we're all in need of repair. But at some point in our life, we have taken these wonderful house plans that the Lord has for us, and we have tried to change them to our own liking. And that has caused something to be wrong, in which case we would then need to be in repair. And so our houses are needed repair, and honestly, we live in a broken world, in which case there needs to be lots of repair. Now, as far as the house plans that, that are there in place for us, we know that the enemy also knows our house plans. And he knows which areas he needs to attack. We learned last week that he attacks our marriages. And so our marriages, if we were to follow our perfect plan for marriages, then it would contain companionship and multiplication and dominion. The second area in which the enemy knows God's plans and attacks God's house plans are for our families. Now, family is one of those kind of complicated words that we need to define a little bit. We learned from Lilo and Stitch that Ohana means family, and family means that... Yes, I knew somebody would know it. Okay, good. That no one gets left behind. Um, you can also define family in um, that it's uh, a group, a family is a group of individuals who are related either by blood or by marriage or by adoption. And that's that beautiful word adoption that we can look at um, as the way that God looks at us, right? Because we are all sons of God. This is from Galatians 3.26, right? We are all sons of God. So collectively, we are all a church family. So then, you know, look beside you. Say hello to your brothers and sisters, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we can agree. Yeah, you're right. So, so in a way, right, we are all sons of God. We are all family. So when we say this word family, we're talking about, yes, the family that you have by blood. Yes, the family that you have by marriage. But we're also talking about the family that exists within these walls and outside these walls as Christians, what we have as far as family goes. And families are part of God's plan, part of those house plans for us to be a part of a family. Part of a family is, is being part of God's perfect plan for you. And being a part of a church family is even better. All the ways that we can support one another within our family. Now, if I know that God has a perfect plan for our families, the first thing that goes through my head is, I want to know what that plan is. I definitely want to know what that plan is. And so I kind of 
look at it is, I want to somehow study what it is that he has as far as his plan for me. Now, more than likely, if you are like me, you did not build your home. You probably bought your home, right? And so there are probably times that you are doing something in the home that you are wishing that you knew exactly what was behind the walls or under the house or around the house. And you wish that you knew exactly what was done, right? For example, uh, if you want to know behind the walls, like if you're hanging a picture, you want to know if there's a stud behind that wall to hold it. Or if there is a pipe going in a certain direction, you want to know which way it goes outside of the home. I remember one, uh, one day I was putting up a fixture in my garage. I do know how to do this, right? You take it down, you, you match the colors with the wires, and then you twist them back together. Voila, light. But for some reason, it was not working for me. Turns out that the way the wiring in the garage was... They had mixed up a couple wires here and there, so now my ground wire was actually the one giving power. Yes, uh, an electrician later, I suddenly was like, man, I really wish that I would have known before I did all of the work and got shocked. I wish I would have known exactly how all of the wires went in my garage, but I didn't. And so this is where it's important for us to say, I want to study the house plans. I want to know them so that when something goes wrong and needs repaired, I know where to go, right? And luckily for us, we have the house plans in front of us, right? We have God's house plans of what he wants for our lives in front of us through his word. And so if we want to know exactly what he has for our marriages, what he has for our families, we can look to the word of God as looking for things that he has to improve on it. And more than likely, when you open this, you probably feel a little bit like it's a blueprint. Because there are times that just as a blueprint is super complicated and I still don't understand them, there's times that I open this up and I struggle and I have to read it and reread it and meditate on it in order to fully understand what it is that God has for me. So we're going to have to open up his word in order to kind of get into what God has as far as the house plan for our families. And we're going to look at three different areas in which he has for our families that we can look at and say families are a place for. And that's how we're going to look at this today, our three points today. Families are a place for instruction, Families are a place for modeling, and families are a place for repair. And I know there are lots of other things that we could fill in families are a place for, but those are the three that we're going to be looking at today. So we're going to be looking at, first one is families are a place for instruction. So if you will, open up your Bibles. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 6. Now, where is Deuteronomy, right? Deuteronomy is at the beginning, right? It's within the Torah, so the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. We have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so Deuteronomy is that last one. And so to kind of, kind of point you where we are in the story, right? Genesis is where we see creation, but we also see the, uh, the establishment of God's agreement or his covenant with his people. And so then we see at the end and throughout, we see a breaking of that covenant. 
and which leads the people into slavery, and which in Exodus we see them uh, rescued uh, from their slavery and then go to Mount Sinai. And once at Mount Sinai with God, they hear instruction. In Leviticus, we get the building of the tabernacle and how they are to build the tabernacle and have a community with God. And we see instruction, we see law, we see decree, we see those types of things happen in Leviticus. In which case, then he's like, okay, let's take this tabernacle. Now, I've got a place for you. I've got a beautiful, wonderful promised land for you, almost like, let's say, a great house for you over here. And we need to get there, right? So then Numbers is their journey that should take them 11 days and takes 40 years. Right? And so we see them traveling throughout the desert, failing at this, at this agreement with the Lord. And then in Deuteronomy, once all of the people, every single one of them who saw their rescue from, uh, from slavery have passed away, and we've got Moses looking at the next generation, looking at their children and their children, and he's looking at them and he says, okay, now let's review. <laughs> let's talk about what happened out in the desert for 40 years? Let's, let's talk about that. And so he goes through the law again, talking to them and telling them all the things that have happened so far. He's gone through the Ten Commandments. He's just told them the Ten Commandments again. And so he gets to, to Deuteronomy 6. And he says this. He says, these are the commands, decrees, the laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey. That sounds like some great house plans right there, flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your families, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on the gates. Families are a place for instruction. And we see here, as Moses is reviewing with them, he, we see him telling them, look, tell your children. Their children tell their children. Continue on with the instruction. It doesn't just stop with me telling you these laws. It is to be continued on. Instruct your children Go the next step and tell them this, right? He says, impress them on your children, right? That's words right there, impress them upon your children, meaning that you need to know the words in order to tell them the words. And so that then they can tell their children the words. And it continues on, right? And what is it that he's telling them to tell them, right? 
He's saying the Shema prayer, which is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul, and your strength, right? To tell them with all of that, as well as love, or hear, O Israel, O Lord, the Lord is one. Our God is one, right? That there is only one God, right? So this is what they are to pass down over and over and over again generation upon generation. It says, talk about them as you sit at home. So as you are sitting at the dinner table, as you are um, reflecting off of watching a movie, all those times, those are when you are to talk about these laws and decrees in your homes, right? And as you walk through the streets, that's, you're supposed to instruct others as you go along. It also says to then write them down on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. As we were going through the, the Torah with the youth, and, and we were studying this prayer, and we were talking about, okay, what does that mean to write it on your door frames? And they were like, well, do you mean like actually write it on your door frames? We were like, yeah. Like, what would that mean if you were to kind of like, Go ahead and, and carve it into the door frames. I saw some parents shiver, right? Like carve it into your door frames so that when you walk through the door frame, you see the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, and your strength. And we were like, hey, what if you did that? And they were like, no. We're like, well, what if you took a Sharpie and wrote it on there? Like, no. They're like, our parents have told us never to write on the walls with Sharpies, right? They knew the answer, right? But at the same time, I'm like, well, what if you took this verse and you took it home and you said, okay, I want to write this on my doorframe. And they're like, no, they still wouldn't let us do it. Carving it in the, no way. But it makes me think, as a dad, why haven't I already done that? Why haven't I already carved into their doorframe, love the Lord your God with all of your heart? So a couple years ago, I was on a mission trip, and you know they, they were really big on student leadership. And they talked a lot about, okay, make sure that, you know, that you know, you're giving the students the power. And so um, the, the first night as leaders we met and they said, okay, let's look at the blueprints for this deck and for these stairs and, and how to build them. And I'm like, mm, what? And so we're studying them and they're like, okay, we need you to make sure you know. Do you have any questions about this? And I was like, I have all of the questions about this. And they're like, well, you know, aren't you going to be able to teach, you know, the students how to stu teach the students how to do this? And I was like, no. <laughs> so you need to teach me a little bit more of how to do this. And they were like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you, but you need to study them a little bit more. And so we read them together that they taught me how to look at the blueprints and understand them. And then that next day I was able to then meet with a student and say, okay, now you're going to take these plans and you're going to also then teach the students around you how to look at these blueprints. And it's this path that we all need to go down. We all need a way that, that we can teach the next generation as well as the next generation, which by the way, there are plenty of opens, openings in middle school, ministry, 
And there are uh, lots of ways that you can help with family ministry if you're looking for ways in which you can teach and instruct the next generation. There are lots of ways in which you can continue on that teaching, just like it tells us in Deuteronomy. Now, this uh, families are a place for instruction. Families are also a place for modeling. And so as we look around us at our church family, as our homes, at our um, uh, family members by blood, by, um, by marriage, we can kind of look around us and see different examples that we could try to model to them and see their Christ-like character that is available. Um, as I am definitely not understanding somehow to read a blueprint, it means that I'm, I might actually need to see it. Some of you might be, might be a little visually, uh, two-dimensionally visually challenged and might need to see an actual. And they have these things called model homes, which are pretty cool, right? You can actually go there and see what your home could look like. If it was built this way, then you could see, you could walk through the actual home. You could see what it could look like. They, have it, they usually have it staged to where, too, you can even, like, see, oh, if that couch was there, it'd look good, right? Or if there, the pictures were hung level on the wall, they would look good, right? Like, like you look through a model home just before you decide which one you want to build. And I think that's a lot to do with these house plans, Right? God has house plans that would be perfect if we were to follow them, especially when it comes to models around us that we can look to for examples. Um, and again, no one is perfect. And we're going to see a lot of people who are trying to keep in step with the Spirit. As Galatians 5 tells us, that we are to try to keep in step. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and that can be challenging at times, but we know that if we do keep in step with the Spirit, then it would produce love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It would bring about those fruits of the Spirit, right? And so we, we, uh, we know that families are kind of a place for that. Families are a place for love. A place where you can feel loved, you can feel accepted. Families are a place where there should be peace. God's perfect plan is for families to be a place that would have patience among them. Families are a place for kindness and gentleness. Families are a place where we see models who are representing self-control. Again, I'm not saying that every family is showing these things. But the hope is that if we're keeping in step with the Spirit, that we are producing these types of fruits of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience, that we would then be able to be examples for others to follow with that. And there are a place for people to try it, to model it, and to fail. Because we know that families are also then a place that we can have repair. Families are a place for when we mess up, we can go to and be accepted. Families are a place where when things happen, unexpected, or when big problems happen, when we haven't followed the house plans, then all of a sudden there's a place for us. There's a place that we can go to. 
that can come to a family when we are in need of repair. Now let me ask you, what is your reaction when the unexpected happens? What is your reaction when there's a major problem? When there's something that really needs to be repaired? I know for me, when the unexpected happens, I am super panicked. Um, I go into fix-it mode, I go into repair mode, I go into every type of repair mode. Like, it's not pretty. Um, probably I struggle with control somewhere. But I look at it as, if the unexpected happens, I've got to find some type of repair. And I wish that I could say that I model all of those things up there, but this is where I kind of look to other models that I see around me in my family, in my church family, that I can go to and say I can look to them as models of, of how I could respond in a Christ-like way. I wish that I could model it all, but at the same time, I look to examples. Um, Doug Melton is one that comes to mind um, when it comes to uh, being able to see examples, a Christ-like response when the unexpected happens. Um, Doug was not expecting, they were not expecting or planning a child with special needs in their life. But when that unexpected happened, they were able to turn and still model a Christ-like response in the midst of the unexpected, right? There's patience. We see patience with Hannah. We see love when it is hard. We see gentleness. We see kindness. We see all of those things modeled for us on how he responds when the unexpected happens. And what I love, and when we think about like a repair, there's no repair for that. But one of the things is that when unexpectedness happens, we as a church family respond. I loved yesterday. Yesterday we were able to go do the polar plunge together as a family and to support Hannah it was an amazing experience. It was cold. Let me just say, it was cold. Um, I don't know what happened with the weather. I don't know why in one day we get cold and snow and ice for that one day <laughs> that we're going to jump in the lake. But that's okay. We did it um, because we wanted to support Hannah. We wanted to support Doug in all the ways that, that we see him showing Christ-like responses when unexpectedness happens. It may look like support. It may look like just simply jumping into the waters, getting into the mud, getting into the mire with someone. And so how do we respond then instead of just the unexpected, but what do we, how do we respond when there's a problem, when there's a big problem? when there's some kind of need for a repair, when there's a sin problem, when there's something that's going on that really needs a repair. And we can look at that situation and say, there's no way that I could ever be accepted. There's no way that this can ever be repaired. And the good news is that the repair has already been done. The work has been done on the cross by Jesus. We have all sinned. We've all tried to go away from the house plans and tried to go our own way, but we have Jesus so that when we hear repent, we can turn away and go back to the original house that he had planned for us. We are all in need of repair, and God's perfect plan, his son is that ultimate repair for us. But while we are here on earth, families are a place 
to model forgiveness and to provide grace and to be Christ-like. They can't forgive sin. That is not something that I'm saying. But families are a place to be able to point us in the direction of the person who can, who can repair our sin. And because our families, because our church families, our family units, God's perfect plan for them is to have a place where that repair can happen. When those, those, those things that happen, those unexpectedness, as well as the big problems happen, we have a place that we can go to. So there I was, right? Feet in brown water, thinking to myself, what am I going to do? How is this going to be solved in a day? And so I call Mike Boone. You guys know Mike Boone. Um, and so I call him up, and he drops everything to come over. I, I try to tell him, hey, you can just tell me maybe what's going on over the phone. He's like, no, I'm coming over. And so he comes over, and of course, it, he gets down, and he's like, okay. And he gets down in it with me. And we're like, let's find out where it's coming from. And, and we, we're looking at it, and we're trying to figure out. I'm trying to shop vac it. We know there's no situa- solution at this point. And so he goes with me then to Home Depot, drives over to Home Depot. We, we rent a snake. He puts it in the back of his SUV, drives it over to my house. We unload it, and then we snake 75 feet of pipe. We didn't even know where the pipe went, right? We wish we would have, but like he, we take apart a toilet together and we get down in it and we're shoving it through. And as the, the thing is spinning and there's poop water going all over the walls and us, I'm like, uh, Mike, thank you so much for doing this. He says, that's what families do. That's what families do. They get down into the muck and the mire when we need a repair. They get down in it with us. And they model that Christ-like appearance, that they model it, the Christ-likeness character of patience, of kindness, of goodness. They model it so that we can then instruct it to others, so that we can then spread that and model that to others. That's what families do. Families are a place for that. Will you pray with me? Lord, you are so good. And there are so many times that we have taken your house plans, your beautiful house plans that you have for us, and we have tried to make them our own. We have tried to change them. We've tried to make repairs We've tried to do other things, but Lord, we know that you are the ultimate repair. Lord, through your son, Jesus, we have forgiveness. And Lord, there's no way that, that we could ever, ever earn it. But Lord, we know that, that you provide in so many ways. Lord, we, we know that you are showing us ways in which we can improve every day. Lord, show us your house plans. Show us your next step. Lord, whatever that that is for us, whether that's um, instructing others in your words, whether that's 
that's modeling Christ-like character or whether that's getting down in the muck and the mire and attempting a repair order, whether that's baptism, whatever your next step is, Lord, will you show us? If you're in need of prayer this morning or would like to learn more about what you can do for your next step, you can see one of the next step counselors or someone in the front, they will be happy to lead you in what that next step looks like. Lord, we pray for continual repair as we continually mess up. Lord, we are thankful for Jesus and all that he does for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.